podcasting from Astrolab Studios. This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Beyond Westworld, Episodes 1 and 2. The computer control room was destroyed. So you couldn't turn the robots off? No. But they can go on their own power on a, on a stored charge for up to 12 hours. Suddenly, they just stopped following our instructions. Or started following someone else's. No idea who it might have been? Him. Professor Oppenheimer's assistant, Simon Quaid. Welcome to Continuum Drag. Uh, We're your hosts, Jordan and Luke, and uh, we're back again with a new series this week. Yeah, I'm excited about Beyond Westworld. It's pretty exciting. I didn't know there was a Westworld TV show before the Westworld TV show. I don't think many people did. Anyway, if you're just joining us, uh, this podcast is something where we go back and look at old science fiction TV series that never really took off or became um, franchises in the way probably their creators hoped they might uh, be. Yeah, none of these shows are going to have convention booths or uh, plush toys of uh, the characters. Much to my chagrin, I think. I think the more I watch them, I'm gonna want to. I'm gonna want to celebrate them with somebody. Well, that's why we have each other. Well, there you go. So yeah, as I said, we're gonna do Beyond Westworld as our next series. I don't know. I know we sort of just got into this already, but like, what did you know about Beyond Westworld? Like nothing, right? No. Uh, when we when we initially started talking about the different shows we were going to do, I don't know which of us actually found Beyond Westworld, but. It came, it came across, uh, it came up in one of our conversations and uh, that was all I knew about it. I knew Westworld, the original movie, and I knew Future World, which I've never actually seen, but I knew that was a pseudo sequel, but I hadn't realized there was a not very well loved 1985 episode oh, series TV show. Yeah, uh, like I was a huge Michael Crichton fan as a kid. Oh, yeah, you've mentioned that before. I think we've talked about this already a little bit. I don't think on the air. I I think think off air we have talked about this. So I had seen the Westworld movie at some point. I actually didn't know Future World existed until I started looking at Beyond Westworld. And actually, when you were in Mexico a couple weeks ago, and I had nothing to watch because we had no podcast that week, I watched Future World in preparation for the show. Did you really? I did. Uh, Peter Fonda's in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, that's uh, you know what I uh, I saw something on like Wikipedia or something that he was in it, but that's all I know about about the movie. How was it? Uh, it was fine. I I watched it. It was I enjoyed it as much as I enjoy any of these things we do. I think I'm more of a Henry Fonda fan than Peter Fonda fan. Is that a scandalous thing to say? Sacrilege. Is it really? I, I don't, don't think know. it is. I don't know if it is. I think Peter Fonda is just fondly remembered from a certain. Certain He's generations. fine. I have nothing against Peter Fonda, but I think I like Henry Fonda better. I will tell you, though, right now, good news. This TV series retcons Future World out of the world. Okay. It has nothing to do with this TV well, series. Well, that was going to be something I thought we would talk about because it seems almost barely connected to Westworld, the original movie, in terms of the timeline and i'm we can go more into that but i'm interested to to know that it has nothing to do with future world i would say it has nothing like the plot to future world is that the robots have become sentient restarted westworld and are only running it as a way to capture and replace world leaders which is similar to this plot except 
a human being is replacing leaders with robots. Yeah. Is there actually robots in it? Because in Beyond, Beyond Westworld, there's barely any robots. Well, everyone's <laughs> a robot in West in Future World because it's, it's about them. It's about robots replacing humans. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, largely, it was actually, I thought it was going to be a good jumping off point for a TV series. I guess kind of in the way that the current Westworld TV series is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this has nothing to do with that. In fact, it's in fact it's largely retconned. In this one, Delos, the company that makes the robots, are the heroes. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the future world, they are the villains. Right. Um, anyway, all that's not very exciting. And I will say right now, uh, we will be avoiding Westworld spoilers from the current series, if only because I haven't watched it, so I don't want to know. Oh, my, my hope is that people accidentally click on this podcast hoping to hear reviews and things about the new Westworld show and are infuriated. Or confused. And I want them angry. I want people angry, cursing our names to the heavens. And I want people to just listen to the podcast instead of watching the show and be, talk to their friends at work and not have any idea what they're talking about. Mm. It's like one of the, it's like they're trying to impress someone, like, and but they don't have time to. Remember when Quaid uh, sent that robot to the oil field? Like, what the that hell was are you crazy, about? right? Westworld. <laughs> yeah, Westworld. So as we've done in the past, I did a quick little look-see at what was happening in the world when Beyond Westworld was coming out just to kind of situate us emotionally. Right. What was happening in a, in a time in 19, 1980, right? Yeah. It premiered March 5th, 1980, ran till March 19th. I was going to mention, there's a good chance that us talking about this show will last exactly as long as that show lasted, which was three weeks, right? Yeah. There's only, uh, we should say there's only five episodes of Westworld, Beyond Westworld. Only three made it to air. Mm-hmm. So it was a very short-lived program. Yeah. But anyway, in those sort of few weeks beforehand and few weeks after its very short run, this is kind of what was happening in the world. Uh, the 1980 Lake Placid Winter Olympic has happened. Mm. Um, best known for it, the U.S. beating yeah. Miracle USSR. on Ice. Yeah, Miracle on Ice. It's the only hockey thing the Americans talk about, and Canadians never talk about it because Canadians talk about 72. Anyways, I always think that's funny because no one ever talks about Miracle on Ice up here. They got, I got a Kurt Russell movie, though. Yeah, I heard that was good. I never saw it. Me neither. I like Kurt Russell. He's fine, right? Who doesn't like Kurt Russell? Monsters. <laughs> Monsters don't like him, yeah. Pierre L.A. Trudeau was elected to the Prime Minister of Canada for the second time. Yeah, after that real debacle. What debacle? I don't know much about it. Oh, the uh, uh, conservatives uh, had a, a confidence vote and... Uh, and lost. Not enough people showed up to Parliament that day to vote, and so they, they lost. Uh, oh, they just really bungled it. They really bungled it. So then they had to have they had to ask the governor general for another election, and then the Liberals got in. Thanks for tuning in to Canadian History Podcast yeah. on CBC. It was a real mistake for Joe Clark. Anyway, we'll do a separate podcast on on Canadian politics in the 1980s. In a similar political vein, Robert Mugambi was elected Prime Minister of Zimbabwe around the same time. I know nothing about him. Uh, he, Robert Zimbabwe, best known as the dictator who was only removed from power in a coup d'etat in 2017. Really? Yeah. So, uh, oh, he had a good run. He had 37 years. He came in to power uh, just as tech or not tech war. <laughs> Fuck me. Beyond Westworld. Um, what's uh, what's his body count? Did you know? <laughs> I'm assuming there's a. I didn't get in, I didn't get into it. I mean. He's generally not liked in the world stage as a very abusive, abusive leader. But uh, mm. not, uh, from what I could tell, not a good person. Mm. Oh, well, anyways, good run for him. Political talk. Uh, that's about the end of it for me. Um, the only other thing of note was Voyager 1 confirmed the existence of Yanis. Not the tech war, tech lord. 
but the moon of Saturn. Oh, I had no idea what you were saying there. It just seemed like a lot of words. I, I thought I might have just had a stroke. <laughs> I was like, what, what's happening? Anyway. Do you think it was unclear? Should I re-record it? No, no, no. It was, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> Jordan is foaming at the mouth. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, let's get into the first episode. Yeah. What's, so, the, uh, what's the synopsis? Let me give you the IMDb synopsis. For Beyond Westworld, episode one, Westworld Destroyed. Moore searches for the android who has joined the crew of a U.S. nuclear submarine. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> you can really tell how unloved the show is by the yeah. one sentence someone bothered to put up. Well, we, before we get into it. Oh, yeah. I've got some things to do before we get into it. Yeah. So I did a little bit of looking around, looking, looking around in a similar way to Tech War. This is not a show that's very fondly remembered. The note I made is I feel like it is the new Coke of the Westworld franchise. Just something, you know, the company's just pretending never really happened. There's, there's very, like, I, no one talks about it. More people talked about Quester. Way more people talked about Quester than talked about Beyond Westworld. I mean, it only had three episodes. I, it, no one, pro, it, it's like a, Quester only was one episode. It's like a bad dream the world had and forgot about. Right. Here's what I wanted to ask about. I was beyond confused. Nice. When uh, it started because it essentially did a montage recap of the entire episode that you were about to watch. It was like a pre-cap, a yeah, pre-cap was, of the episode. It was like a cold open, but not. It was like a trailer for the show you're about to watch. Yeah, it was very weird. I thought I was watching the wrong episode. I thought I was watching a recap of an earlier episode, and I was so confused. It, it Was that a thing? I, yeah, I think it was like a quick teaser, like, hey, guys, you want to stay tuned. Look what's going to happen. So this is something that TV used to do. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to ask someone who might be a little bit older than us. It was the whole episode. They showed you a quick recap yeah. of the entire episode you were about to watch. It was crazy. Yeah. At any rate. I liked it. Yeah, yeah it got you in the mood. Yeah, it got me in the mood. <laughs> you, do, you, ever, you ever be at the movies or something and, uh, and you see a trailer and you think, I'd rather be watching that movie than the movie I'm watching. You know what I mean, you see something, I'm like, I'm excited about that. That's a great thing. You should be able to watch trailer and they go, yes, now I'm going to go watch that movie. That's a good idea, right? I guess so. I mean, I guess in some ways you're like, Hey, I'm going to continue to watch this episode and not change the channel. I like what I just saw. Yeah, it's pumping you up. The show starts sort of, I guess the first 10 to 15 minutes feel like they're setting up the show in reference to the original movie Westworld. Yeah, they really seem like they're um, they're trying. They have a lot to say, recap. Yes, they're, they're not pretending that movie didn't happen. In fact, it did happen. But this is sort of, they're setting up that all the robots have been sort of it killed people and now they've they're shut down yeah um, it opens on our lead character head of security for delos john moore helicoptering into their headquarters who only dresses like tom wolf do you know so he only wears like cream suits it's a good look for him i guess i liked when he helicoptered in because they uh as he gets closer to the building they start putting a rain filter yeah over the footage it's not raining they've just put rain on top of the footage they have but then as the helicopter lands, he gets out onto a set, and now it's actually pouring rain. Um, at which point, the other lead character, Laura Garvey, throws open a door and just announces, Westworld is destroyed. I know. that it's. I actually liked how fast they got through stuff. It was just like as much exposition as they could give just to get things going. Yeah, that was like the first time of dialogue, I think. Yeah. It was uh, a Westworld's destroyed. Opening. All right, we're on board. Yeah, they actually go inside and then watch a video recapping the plot of Westworld, but I don't think they're watching footage from the movie Westworld. 
It looks like no. they kind of shot a vignette about some chubby guy going to Westworld and yeah. having a great time. No, it's not because the budget clearly was lower than was of uh, yeah. than the Westworld it was, movie. Yeah, it was clearly a Western set set up somewhere they used. But I did like, and I can't remember if this happens in the movie, but in the in the footage, they're watching it before the park gets turned on. And all the robots are just in freeze frame. Mm-hmm. Like that's the robots in their off mode is horses mid gallop yeah. in freeze frame. And they're like, start it up. And then just the footage starts rolling. I'm like, that's not how robots work. No, it is. That's how it works. It's just freeze frame perfectly. They just freeze frame. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. So they kind of have this little vignette to explain what happened at Westworld. They then just get on a plane and or another helicopter. Sorry. They get another helicopter and Moore and Garvey fly to Westworld. Yeah, where they meet the third lead character Oppenheimer, who I get, who's like I guess the lead robot creator or something. Mm-hmm. He like drives up in a golf cart to Westworld. Now let me ask you, because Oppenheimer is a very odd last name, and the only Oppenheimer I knew was the American physicist, right? Yeah, so uh, that's the reference. It must be right. So, oh, one hundred percent. So I guess I was. My thought was, are they implying that he's going to? eventually blow things up <laughs> like i didn't I, I was like that's kind of odd but maybe just it, he has dangerous technology mm, okay i guess i don't know he pulls up in a golf cart where he says oh i wasn't here when westworld broke down did you catch this i just got back from nicaragua oh no i didn't it's really i was he pulls up in a golf cart and just out of his mouth for no reason he says, i was in nicaragua i'm like what You're like yeah how, how is bragging school out there am I, I right it never comes up it's not like that's a plot point he just pulls up in a golf cart and announces where he was they move um, on. His his outfit, and I have to say, everyone's outfit in this uh, in this episode is on point. Did you think it was great? Like, because it's it's they clearly shot this in the late seventies, so everyone's wearing these great kind of leisure suits, and there's a lot of yellows and oranges, and just men wearing vests. I, I I thought it was great. Everyone looked great. That oh, was man. maybe my favorite part of the show. We're getting some insight into your fashion likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about that before? No, but uh, we know you hate leather jackets. And oh, yeah, well, now I know bad. you really like that like late 70s early 80s fashion. I thought it looked I thought everyone looked really good. That's great. Yeah, they arrive so we've got our three lead characters. They're visiting Broken Down Westworld for some reason. And they also, at this point, just quickly introduce who our lead villain is, which is Quaid, mm-hmm. Simon Quaid, who uh, they say was the assistant to Oppenheimer. Yeah, I think the implication is he was second in command, but was sort of pulling the strings assistant, without Oppenheimer an knowing. isn't second in command. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, I beg to differ. He was getting him coffee. But he does, Quaid does perpetually... Re- say that they were his robots like he designed them he heavily implies that quite that are uh, that oppenheimer stole his ideas they also mentioned something i think it's here uh or in one of these early scenes where they mentioned that the robots can they said the robots can go on a single charge for 12 hours and i thought the line is dropped just to be a plot point for later but it's not good to know good to know 12 hours so he just needs to at some point he's gonna have to wait out a robot or something but no he it's they just mentioned that like just so you guys know if you're interested that's the battery life. All right, next. Yeah, there's there's a lot of They don't ex- cut their fingernails. There's a like, lot of exposition like this and that. I, I mean, Quaid we he never really interacts with the hero like he's in a weird underground, maybe under I, he has some supervillain layer that he's always operating from. Yeah. And because all the robots eyes are cameras, he can see everything that there are. That's a weird thing and we should come back to it, but Well, I know every time he looks into a camera, it's implied it's robot eyes, but it's also like the exact shot that the show's using. Yeah, and it's also 
it do, it doesn't work at all because they they just need to have him be able to see things. They're like, oh, I don't know, it's a robot. Like, where's this robot? This robot's on the top of a stadium. Yeah, yeah, that's where a robot is. He's looking from there. Yeah, it you is know. always very conveniently placed. That. The robot's also apparently running back and forth to give you both angles. Both angles. Yeah. God, was that robot running back and forth? I don't know. It seems fine. Yeah, there's so much exposition here. Like they get into who Quaid is. They retcon the movie Westworld to be his fault. But can I mention one quick thing? Did you notice that in Oppenheimer's office, there's a poster of the Westworld movie? Oh, I didn't. So here's the thing. It's not like a uh, Westworld logo from the company. It's literally the poster for Westworld, the movie. the movie. Oh, my God. It's on the wall. So in my, my thought is, in this world that they've created, the movie Westworld came out. Oh, you think? Oh, so in this world... They made a hit movie called Westworld yes. about how robots kill yes. people. Then they built Westworld. Yeah. It'd be like if Superman goes to see the movie Superman. <laughs> and it's in the second episode, too. It's still in his wall. Like, that's the set deck they've decided. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, it's fine. It, it makes it really heavily retconning that movie. Right. It, it, it's it's so weird. So anyways, we'll get back. So Quaid is the reason that everything went bad. He's mad because he hated that his robots were used for pointless pleasure. Yeah, there was a quote. What did he say? Oh, yeah, he said, their only service superficial pleasures was the quote. Yeah, he's really upset about that. He really actually, what he wants to do with his robots is he wants to, like, install them into positions of power to guide humanity, much like Quester. Like, he kind of, he'd love Quester. There were some shades of Quester here. For sure. And I thought it was interesting. He's worried about that because he's predicting the economic hostage taking of America. That's what he sees happening. He's like, money is going to slowly eat away at this country and then it'll be held hostage by foreign governments or he doesn't really know, say what. He thinks robots are infallible because you can program whatever you want in them. So vis-a-vis, they should be in charge of everything. But I think flash forward to 2018 and Quaid is right. America is held hostage by economic something or not. But Trump's not a robot. (laughs) That's true. That is true. That's the one difference. He's, That's the he's one not, difference. He's, he's not, not a robot. He's not worried about robots doing that. Quaid's worried about money doing that. That's true. So robots will protect us from Trump. He's worried about Trump, and he thinks robots will save us from Trump. On a side note, they mention in this, just like in uh, Westworld the movie and Westworld the TV show, spoilers, how realistic these robots are. But then it seems like there's no consistency with that, because a lot of times they just act like robots. Do you notice that? There's a scene coming up, which we can talk about, where the the cowboy robot starts attacking them yeah this is but, what happens but, now. You, but you super t- you could tell he's a robot so it's like he's not realistic looking no cowboy ever was like i will destroy you dirt 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 it's like all right yeah quaid sees them in westworld so he flips on or he's like tells one of his lackeys flip that robot on and just have him shoot them and the robot can't target he has to target individuals so the it's a for for reasons for no re- like it, it's it's very it's yeah it's uh, you know what i did like more- though his eyes go white um, and all the robots, all eyes are go white for some reason. And it just looked like, remember in the uh, the 1970s Incredible Hulk show? Every time he's going to turn into Incredible Hulk and he's like, yeah, don't make me angry. Then his eyes go white. When I was a kid, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, That was fun. When they're offline, they like have white contacts in. And when they're yeah. online, they have like human eyes. Yeah, I thought that looked good. Actually, I liked, well, liked is a strong word. But I liked the, some of the choices they made for these. Like when they have to turn on that robot, this guy starts hitting a keyboard to like turn on the robot mm-hmm. and when he pushes the keys it makes the sound of a telephone dial oh like, i don't i didn't boop, re- remember that boop, boop. like it sounds like someone's dialing a phone when he's using the keyboard right. and then the robots have robot vision 
Mm-hmm. Which I is, like the robot vision. Which is a colored tint over top of the camera. So like a red or a purple. And then like letters and numbers scrolling up and down. And like a, an animated circle circling over the targets they're looking at. Isn't it weird though that the robot can't see very well? It sees like in the in the robot vision. But then Quaid can see perfectly well with his... Uh, yeah, cameras. I guess the camera. He's like a camera and robot. I don't know. I'm like, give the give the robot the camera. He can see much better. But did you notice? Because everything has sounds. Did you notice the sound that happens when there's robot vision? No, was it, it was like sonar or something. What was no, it like? it's the sound of a dot matrix printer printing. It's just that sound. Of oh, like, you're Arr. right. It was. It's it's insane. I'm like, that's the sound of a mechanical dot matrix printer running when this robot. It's the is sound effect they had. The Foley sound. Though. It's so fun. I just I thought. This is such a great idea of like what technology should sound like. It's like, I don't know, the printer in the office, I guess, sounds like this. Yeah, That's what do the worse. robot's brain sounds like. I liked it. It was it was a lot of fun, that that sound design. So the robots att- attacks them while they're in Westworld. That's where we're at, right? Yeah, he attacks them. It's a really like... It's a dumb fight. It's so clumsy. More wrestles him, but the robots are all super strong. And he accidentally puts its hand in water. Yeah, he accidentally it? puts the hand in water. And the robot short circuits, at which point we like we kind of get into a few scenes where they do more robot explaining. But like Garvey will tell him almost immediately after this that, oh, yeah, robots each have their own weakness. Some are weak to water. Some are weak to heat. As we'll see later, some apparently can be electrocuted. Well, that's that's the funny thing. It's like they imply that they only have one weakness, though. Yes, that's that and was, they're not the same. Every that's time. The thing. So each robot, there's someone building it goes. So what should we make uh, Johnny here? What should we make his weakness? Oh, uh, uh, public speaking. Don't, don't ever have that robot public speak. Next, um, spiders. Next, electricity. Next, heights. You know, it's just it's just like, what? Why don't they, like, it would make sense if all of the robots have the same kill switch. Would that not make sense? As opposed to, oh, God, let me get my notepad. What, what was that one's weakness again? It's, it's very strange. that that And I mean, I think what we'll see is that's not true at all. No, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just a dumb thing because they needed, they needed John to be able to beat this, this robot foe. who's so strong he can't be beaten. He's like, oh, what if he put his hand in water? Just destroys him immediately. Actually, we, they'll, they'll hop back to the Dello's headquarters right after that. That's where we kind of learn about the weaknesses. And they, it basically cuts back from commercial and you see this piece of construction equipment lifting up uh, all these clearly pink styrofoam bricks mm-hmm. like clearly I, loved it. I love this above part. a door frame for no reason for no reason and then a woman walks up that door frame in front of Moore and oppenheimer and immediately dumps the bricks on top of her but of course she's a robot so all the bricks just sort of fall around her she just yeah. stands up perfectly fine yeah so was the plan for that i was i was like did that just happen she's just the clumsiest robot ever or they just were like eh, let's, we, it doesn't matter i think that may be a testing it, site to see how they can take bricks or something yeah it wasn't her weakness so she was fine she was fine it, which is great. Like this whole that whole sequence is great because then they're like, "Oh, let us introduce you to Jan, who I thought would be a character, but is not. She's just a robot." They take her to Oppenheimer's lab, and they're like, "Let's look at her like great robot flashing bits inside." Yeah. But to get to them, she just opens her shirt like she's going to show her boobs, except underneath her shirt is just all electronics. Yeah, I, it didn't look great, right? Even the inside <laughs> of the shirt had electronics. I know, on I know. It. So they build. I know it's it doesn't really. I was like, why? So she can never take that outfit off. She just she does she doesn't have any skin. She just has that, that model of robot always wears those clothes because yeah she's yeah. not a fully skinned person. Like under the clothes are just it was such a weird cut. Like she just starts opening her shirt. And you're like, what is about to happen here? It's like, oh, I see. You're full of electronics underneath there. And uh, and uh, John, that's the main character, right? Yeah. John makes a very uh, classic Jake Cardigan esque line. And after they open the the robot, he goes, 
I always wondered what made a woman tick. There's there's a lot of great one-liners. They do yeah. a lot. Like the writing, you can tell this is made in 1980 from the 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 dialogue between the men and the women. The writing is less dialogue and really feels more like just like people come up with like good lines. Mm. Like almost immediately after that part, they're talking about the robot, and John says it has everything but a soul. And Garvey, the the um, scientist, she goes. As soon as we find one, we'll reproduce it. Like, it's really weird. I'm just like, so this show is clearly doesn't care about the idea of like artificial intelligence having a soul. Like, that's not what this show is interested in. Well, and that, I, I, this sort of tangentially uh, connected to something I wanted to say, which was in this world, Delos, that's the company, right? Delos have created Westworld. Westworld has killed a bunch of the people that are at this at the site. Hundreds of people. Okay, hundreds of people. You would think that would be pretty bad press for the company, right? But there's never really any mention of that. It's just like, oh, everything just went bad. and But, like, Delos is still a company. Well, we can talk about that right now because this is kind of what I'm getting into because the episode of the plot kicks off because Quaid has hidden a robot on a nuclear sub mm. who's posing as someone. And Delos has been given, as they say, by Washington, has been given power over all levels of government and military to track down Quaid and his robots. The, the government is basically giving Delos absolute power to cover up their company's huge mistake. Like, well, that's what I mean. And it's like no one is talking about this company. Like you, it must leak. If you have hundreds of people died at a theme park, people would hear about it. No, well, that's, I, I feel like maybe people heard about the disaster at Westworld. But when they talk to people, no one knows there's robots ever. Like this is the government has given Delos the absolute authority to clean up their mistakes as if they never like cover up their company's massive, massive problem. They must pay a lot of taxes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that economic hostage taking that Quaid's talking about. Mm. It's really weird because, yeah, that kicks off the plot. Like the Navy calls Dallas and says, hey, we got these weird signals going to one of our nuclear subs. Do you think that might be something about a robot? Yeah, and they just, they're like, oh, they, they said they're like, oh, he's got, he must be transmitting to robot on that sub. And I was like, what? what? Why would you ever think that? Like, it just, it was one of those, anytime some, someone just threw weird. a line in and you went, wait a minute, that doesn't, I don't know if it necessarily be a robot. I guess anytime anything weird happens now, they call Delos and say, is this something? Do you think this might be a robot? I bought, I bought this cheese and it was supposed to expire on the 16th, but it's the 14th, but there's mold on it. Is that a robot? <laughs> it's weird, right? The mold of the cheese. Yeah, exactly. Are either one, are either one of those robots? Well, they make a rattlesnake for a reason, like later. And oh, yeah, it's great. With kangaroo abilities. Anyways. Oh, my God. Anyway, now they know there's a robot on the sub. They get another helicopter. I really like the first episode's use of constant helicopters for travel. Yeah, they do use them a lot. Using a lot of stock footage for most of it, and they're mm. kind of lowering them down from the copter to the top of the sub that's out of the ocean. But then they kind of do that thing where they cut from stock footage to the set. Mm. Do you remember this? No. It's so insane it's almost all black except maybe a projection of the ocean is behind it but it's not centered correctly oh, I so don't it's remember. going up and down at a weird like it it's impossible to tell what is happening you know because of what you've just seen the stock footage they're supposed to be laying there but someone messed something up the camera's moving but it's not sinking to i guess where the ocean's supposed to be so mostly it just looks like people in front of black and then an ocean will suddenly appear and disappear behind them oh i'll have to recheck that out i i don't remember i, I just was watching I'm like i 
why did you use this footage? You should have just cut to the inside of the sub. You guys totally blew this scene. I think what happened is my mind wandered and my mind wandered many times during this episode because it's kind of boring. And and even stuff like I remember thinking like, what, they're on a sub now? How did that happen? They just knew where a sub was? And I'm sure there was a line of dialogue or something. But a lot of times in the episode, they sort of end up places and I and the, the, everything's so boring that I can't remember why why they got where they were i was like oh, let's just keep watching i'm sure like i'm sure we'll all resolve itself by the end of the hour well i mean this basically once they get to the sub we're kind of in an episode proper of beyond westworld and they really set up what every episode is going to be in this one which is not a terrible idea it, every episode is basically uh whodunit or uh who'd a robot it's like scooby-doo they show it, up there's a group of people one person is a robot they don't know who so they just try to figure out which person is a robot through deduction but you know what that actually sounds more interesting than the show is don't you think I'm because not saying they're the doing show it well but this seems to be the plot of every episode here's here's what i wanted so far robots episodes. there's almost no robots in this show because when you finally find out it's a robot he's just been a lame human for the first 45 minutes well so that's it's like the i idea. just they're indistinguishable i know but you have you have a world full of robots what i what i think is the restriction of being in the theme park of westworld is a good idea humans fighting robots that's cool. But taking them out of the world and it's like, I don't know, you're just looking for robots? Oh my God, just, they're just sleeper agents. They're like, they're let me like know when you find the, the robots. They're all undercover. Anyway, and that's, yeah, that's the plot. And you'll see this again in the next episode. Because it's a who done or like a who is the robot sort of plot, there's all these red herrings. Like when they get on the sub, for some reason, one of the sub doors starts automatically closing on Garvey. And one of the sailors runs up and like yanks the door off her with superhuman strength. Mm. And they're like, oh, "Is that a robot? It's it's not. He's just super strong." For I remember some they reason. asked, they, "No, they asked him why. Why are you so strong?" And he's like, "My dad was got to be working out since I was a kid." He begs them not to tell the rest of the crew how strong he is. Yeah, it was really weird. I'm like, "Oh, so that's so weird. That's got to be the robot." But he's not. He's just like a super strong guy who doesn't want the rest of the crew to know how super strong he yeah. is. He's like a kid in school who's doing really well but doesn't want to doesn't want to look like he's uh he's not cool maybe he's superman yeah that would be a real good crossover make this episode more interesting i mean yeah that nothing really happens on the ship in fact other than that kind of setup for this like who's it going to be there's another one almost immediately after it where a guy driving a jeep almost backs up over them yeah they keep by, they keep by doing accident these. and they're like <gasps> he almost killed us is he the robot? He's not the robot. Yeah, it's just, yeah, they just start seeing everything. Yeah, there's, there's just like constant accidents happening to them. And, and then like, the Navy could it be a robot? The or Navy's it, real clumsy. Or is it just a real accident? Anyway, the sub immediately docks. So I don't know why they had to fly out to it. Like, I know. The sub was on its way to dock. And for the second time in the series we've watched, something like this happens. Moore gets into a limo because he's going to go to like Navy mm. security headquarters. And sleeping gas pours out of the limo so he's like they're shooting like a fog machine at him which puts him to like, yeah. like oh no sleeping gas yeah and then he and i think it's commercial right then he wakes up in a cabin yeah as he, as, as you do he wakes up in a shack the established shot is a shack in the middle of nowhere yeah they got him all the way over there in the span of from, 30 seconds from the 30 seconds and of course quaid is there with a robot stake that he had built especially yeah. for this so again <laughs> he has the ability he could go hey guess who's in the cabin 45 robots they're gonna pop your head off he's like no 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 i'm gonna leave you with a robotic snake even at its best a robotic snake is not that dangerous it's so funny they take him and he takes him out there too and wraps him in a lie detecting straitjacket. yeah oh, that was good and what's weird is the questions he asked like 
I thought he was going to ask him, like, what's Delos? No, are they after me? His only questions are around how he beat the robot at Westworld. He can't figure it out. He can't figure out that he more just had dumb luck and put its hand in water. Yeah, really. Well, I think they were trying to show his character that his he likes robots so much more. He can't figure out how a human could ever beat a robot. But it's always it's like, well, you made his weakness water and you have the character standing right by a water trough. That's how I, like you, he must have. He's a genius. He must be able to figure that out. It was it seemed, it seemed hilarious that that was the only reason he had him yeah. kidnapped was to ask like, oh, he's the guy's just stupid and he accidentally put his hand in water. That's how he did it. But, so and and John gets out of the straight jacket uh, somehow. Oh, oh sorry. On. Before we get to that, did you? He asked him a bunch of questions when he's in the straight jacket. The one thing I the one question I enjoyed asking was just because it was a callback to like the world this is happening in. Because he asks him, "Are you John Moore? Do you remember what he answered? No. What did he say? Oh, yeah, there was something funny. What was it? John Moore lies to chest the lie detector. He goes, no, I'm Steve Martin, a wild and crazy guy. (laughs) That's right. Right. That that was funny. Yeah. You know know what? I'm going to use that next time someone asks. Because it's like, it's funnier now. Because I think even by 1980, that probably was a bad joke. That's that's like now making a Borat joke, isn't it? It could be. It could have been very out of date. I I just, I really like that timestamp on that joke. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of timestamps in this show. So he gets out of straitjacket somehow. Yeah, I can't remember. He just does. And they leave him in the room with the snake. It's it's the weirdest plan. Quaid says, they'll find him in the desert with a snake bite. I'm like, and they won't suspect something bad. He left in a limo to go see military headquarters. When they find him dead with a snake bite in the middle of the desert, they're going to think something suspicious happened. No, it's, it's perfectly weird. normal just to leave in the middle of a mission, go conceivably... Hundreds of miles away to a middle to a cabin by himself and with that has a snake it that bites him. Accidentally gets bitten by a snake. Yeah. The snake is amazing though. Uh when the snake attack started, I could not stop laughing. Wasn't it like a kangaroo? It, oh, wait, uh, what's the point of having a snake if it doesn't act like a snake? It when it jumps to lunge at him, it leaps so hard and so fast. At one point, it leaps through the door and gets lodged inside of yeah. the door. It looks like he's fighting uh one of those um you know the old uh, oh, like, like a peanut can. Yeah, peanut can. Inside. That's exactly Springs what it looks like inside. he's fighting. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of what he's fighting. Uh, they have a real big spring in that snake. But fortunately, the uh, snake's one weakness is electricity. Yeah, so he just shoves it into the light socket in the shack in the middle of nowhere that's electrified. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, also, w- wouldn't he be the grounding on that? Shouldn't he have been electrified? Yeah, he too? also would have been horribly electrified. Ah. Just saying. I, there. Yeah. This What's show- the voltage on that light? Come on. A lot of this show doesn't hold up to any any reasonable thought. Anyways, he gets out. He's fine. He gets out. He walks back to the sub. It takes him <laughs> two seconds. They get back on. He gets back on the sub. I know. He still can't figure out who the robot is, so he's talking to the captain, and they both put their hands on this like glass radar plate. And when they pull their hands away, he noticed he, he notices. That the captain did not leave a sweaty handprint like he did on the glass. Yeah. Well, there's a couple points. One, John's got really sweaty hands. The second point, though, which is an original point I made at the beginning of this podcast, is they've mentioned how realistic these robots are. So if they're so realistic and they sound and they smell and they feel and they taste like human beings, shouldn't he be giving off the same amount of heat that a normal human is so because the implication is no he's cold well then if you're out with a robot on westworld you know it's not a real person because they're cold and they don't have breath and all you know like i'm just saying they taste like human beings well if you're kissing a robot 
he'd be like, hmm. Human. T- tastes like you haven't brushed your teeth. Because it's Westworld. They wouldn't be. Oh, right. Authentic. Authentic, right. Ugh, tobacco. That's that's a good point, actually. I I I, I withdraw my taste comment. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, point to Jordan. Yeah. So they know the captain's a robot now. The captain's apparently running a military game, and he locks... Here's what he's telling everyone. They're running a military game. And he locks the nuclear missile onto Delos headquarters under Quaid's orders. So let me ask you one thing as a little side note. The captain's a robot, which, by the way, you, you'll see coming. The first time you meet them, you're like, yeah, the captain's the robot. Anyway, do you think that he's been a robot since he got onto the ship? Or do you think it was a captain and they replaced him at some point? Not through any spoilers for the next episode, but... There's, they give no indication of this, it, but there's a lot of questions of like, oh, wait, was, so when did this switch happen or was there ever a switch? Or has this guy literally just got into the Navy somehow and they're like, oh, yeah, you're in charge? No, I think it's a red herring. I think I think the red herring is that he's been switched at some point. Right. Because so that's what I meant, I think, is there's a red herring, herring earlier on where his second in command is really by the book and needs to follow the rules. And the captain tells him to, like, play it cool. Yeah. Like, you don't need to follow all the rules. The idea being this man, the second command might be the robot because he only knows how to follow orders. Yeah, um, but it's clear it's the captain. Yeah, I, I think the idea is he's replacing people. Okay. I think they're what they're using it for is just a way to, you know, misdirect you. I get it. I'm just saying it doesn't all add up in the, in the world they're building is all I'm saying. I'm being nitpicky, I know, but come on. Come on, guys. I mean, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Guys, from from 37 years ago. Do you mind? Come on. Anyway, he's got a missile pointed at Delos. Moore calls Oppenheimer to be like warn him they're going to shoot a missile at the corporate headquarters. There's a weird scene in between that where he needs to get to like a radio. And to get there, he, beats, he just beats up that guy. He beats up the second command and steals his uniform. Yeah. So he can go to the radio. I'm like, it's a small submarine. Like. They know you don't work there, even if you put on a uniform. And conceivably, like, you could hear him beating the guy up. Like, again, what's the space on submarines? From from what I know, they're not very big. Well, the one they were on looked very small. Anyway, I mean, that doesn't matter at all. It was just really weird that his first choice was to beat up this guy and take yeah, his uniform. Yeah, no negotiations whatsoever. Even though he's in charge of the military and government, thanks to Washington. I did, like, when he calls Delos and they, like, put an announcement over the speakers they sort of shot it like they do in these the 70s disaster movies everyone in the building starts panicking and they're running through hallways and like running down staircase like the entire yeah. office staff is screaming yeah and just running out of the building, the building. It was great and the announcement's like please go downstairs to the shelter don't run outside no one's listening no one's like, ah! they're, they're running out to be fair i would do that too just pushing people over that just, i've worked just, with for months i'm like screw you no you can, die, not you can die. No, you Yeah, I like I handcuff them to the, my desk for some reason, then run out. Why did I do that? I, I it reminded me a lot of like earthquake or something. It, it was yeah. shot in a very similar way. I for some reason I have a soft spot for how evacuations were done back then. Mm. Uh, there's also a really weird sequence where Garvey, our kind of second lead, she's at Delos, and she's watching people f- run out of the building from her window, but they've shot her very ominously. Like, she looks very mm. calm, and they're shooting her very honestly. Like, I don't know if it's on purpose, but they're shooting her in this very weird way to sort of imply, like, whose side is she on? I don't remember that. What I remember is they bring this female character in, and she really has very, very little to do in this episode. It's all about John. 
And do, do you do you find him that interesting a, a lead character? No, no, of course not. None of them. None of them have any characterization. I think that one thing they did to characterize John in this episode was Garvey said she said he wasn't so bad for an all American jock. Yeah, and I was just like, he doesn't look all that athletic. It's for the viewers to be like. He's, he looks exactly like we we want him to for a lead, right? He's, he's from the Midwest. Everything's fine. Nothing scarier. Yeah, I mean, that that's about as much characterization. There's like, here's someone comfortable for you to look at. No, they said really, really early on, uh, <laughs> they mentioned what uh, the characters were talking about, John Moore. Uh, Oppenheimer says, what's his efficiency? Which I thought was such a weird... What's his efficiency? What's his efficiency? And the first thing I thought was like... How do you measure that? Like, well, he doesn't use the washroom at all when he's during the workday. He's very efficient. efficient. Never gets up. (laughs) I miss that. That's uh, kind of a great way of judging a human being. Yeah. So that that's that's what we know about him. He's an all American hero. He's very efficient. efficient. (laughs) From here out, the movie or the movie, the TV show, pretty much wraps itself up. Really, like almost oddly quickly, he gets out of a handcuff and it's just yeah. John was handcuffed. He escapes handcuffs in the silliest way. I'm not oh, even... it's so he like literally he just the guys were like, well, I guess we have to unca- un- uncuff yeah, he, you now. He and he just sprinkler. pushes them and runs away again in a submarine, and they can't catch him in like the nine feet he has to run. He runs into the missile control room where the captain is. Yeah, the captain pulls out his gun. He does a flying jump kick across the missile yeah. room to kick the gun into the captain's hand. I did like though he picks up the gun, points at the captain. The crew is like, "What are you doing? Don't shoot the captain." He's like. No, wait, watch. And he just shoots the captain in the face. Yeah, yeah. Bullet ricochets off his head. So, you know, now everyone knows. But wouldn't it have been great if he was wrong? And they'd all be like, what did you just, what did you just do? You just shot him in the head. Just goes to prison after that. Yeah. This is part, last part is pretty great, though. The robot starts chasing him around. Yeah. And so to help himself, he grabs a fire extinguisher and blows it into the robot's face to cover it in foam. And like block its eye socket so it can't see him yeah it's a very stooges kind of moment at which point quaid radios into the robot and tells it to remove its eye shields Mm -hmm. it just takes its eyeballs out yeah it's like a nightmare happens at that point (laughs) he takes his eyeballs out and there's just like blinking circuits where eyes should be but the rest of his face is like foam covered in foam because they can't the prosthetic wouldn't look good on an actual face. Yeah. So they cover the face with foam and then just have blinking eye circuits. Yeah. It's a good look. It's it's great. I was like, this is both funny and kind of scary. And then he continues to chase him and John Moore just kicks him into an empty missile. Like, what you, what would you call that? Like a missile shoot? Yeah. And just, and then shoots and him like, out. And like, he locks the missile shoot so he's in there, which is great. And he like basically says, call off the call off the missile launch tell the military i've got this under control and the second command turns to him and says what are we going to do about that robot and john almost turns directly to camera and says oh yeah walks up to the keyboard and just hits the eject button and shoots the robot like i was just like that's pretty badass you know and and then that's it it just ends like Oh yeah, freeze frame. He freeze goes, frame, yeah. Oh yeah. Shoots him out and then looks at the camera and gives a badass look and it freeze frames on his face. Yeah. No resolution other than that. That's just done. It's just over. You don't want to take that robot back and like interrogate it. Just yeah. shoot it into the ocean. Yeah. Well I hope I hope that um because guns gunshots weren't its weakness. Gunshots. I, I hope water wasn't. You can't overpower it by your arms. It's just on the bottom of the ocean walking now slowly. With its weird little eyes blinking. <laughs> That's the first episode of Beyond Westworld. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do episode two. This document signs over to me 51% of all your present and future holdings in stone or oil. 
All of your IOUs will be destroyed. You'll be totally out of debt. Plus, I'll give you a fresh stake, $50,000. If things work out, we're both rich. If not, I lost. But for once in your life, you can't lose. My brother's keeper. In order to further his criminal activities, Quaid blackmails a large oil company. Moore and Williams search for the android, posing as a company employee, in order to defeat Quaid's scheme. Now, right off the bat, I don't know what happens in future episodes, but what a post-pilot retool. Huh? Suddenly, Pam Williams shows up? Yeah. A new a new uh, female lead, and Laura's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, Laura Garvey is... You, you can see the network note on this. Yeah. Like, it's so bad. They're just like, we don't like her enough. Bring in someone who looks almost exactly like her but maybe a little sexier well it's funny because you would think they would just recast but it's a, it's a completely new character and and the i think john she says looks so similar john just goes well see they're both brunettes but john goes i just needed uh i think he said he's like i just needed someone with expertise it's like but you already have a partner and then they just bring in a new person anyways uh, i mean they don't actively say why laura's gone she just is yeah and also by the way the reason he needed uh, Pam to come in, you're never going to see it in the episode because she literally, oh, she doesn't do anything intelligent. She's a, she's a special agent. That's what they call her in the opening credits this time. They're like, special agent Pam Williams. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like clearly someone saw the pilot at the network's like, meh, bring in someone else. Yeah. <laughs> For no, no reason. Anyways, Laura's out, Pam's in. Pam's in. The episode starts off at an illegal gambling den. Mm-hmm. where someone is shooting craps, and I got very excited that a robot was about to reform some dice. I thought the same thing. Doesn't happen, though. And the guy looks a little bit like Peter Frampton, doesn't he? <laughs> Think so? Is that, that's, that's a reference for the kids. You mean Dean Stoner? Yeah. One half of the two oil brothers of this episode? Yeah. There's, I got a lot of questions about that. But anyways, he looked like Peter Frampton. Well, picture that in your mind's eye, everybody, and yeah. you'll know what this episode was like. Yeah. Anyway, the whole plot kicks off immediately. Essentially... A robot Quaid sent to this gambling den is buying Dean's gambling debts, and then he kidnaps Dean, and basically Quaid has him sign a contract that will give Quaid 51% of his oil business should he ever take over the company from his brother, because he's like a ne'er-do-well who no one can trust. So he's Yeah, not- it's, a, it's a really—Quaid's playing a real long game. Well, I guess the premise is his plan is kill the brother, Dean will take over— and then I own 51% of an oil company. But it's also like, why does he need an oil company? He's got an army of robots. That's sweet, sweet oil money, my friend. Well, clearly money hasn't been an option, to the, hasn't been uh, like a hindrance to this point. Robots I, are so cheap to make. Yeah, it just well, it just seems so weird that he's like, I need an oil company. They just, they needed him to do something. So it's like, ah, he needs an oil company. Well, he was kidnapping Dean. He fought a police officer. And it's great because the robot can't be shot because that's not a weakness. Yeah, it's not its weakness. But the robot comes up and karate chops the cop. Yeah. And, of course, that is reported back to Delos by the government to let them know there's a robot on the loose. Yeah. Um, On a a side note, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, Peter Frampton, whatever his name is in the show. He, uh, uh, Would you sign a contract if someone, like, kidnapped you, put you in a car, took you to the middle of the desert, and then said, hey, by the way, we'd like to, uh, if your brother ever dies... Just saying, uh, we, we'd like to buy your shares in the company. I don't think I'd sign that contract. They're going to kill him if he didn't. I know, but that's under duress. Would and you go right to a lawyer and be like, hey, I just signed a paper, but. Yeah, yeah I don't think this counts. Yeah, I don't think this true. counts. 
They do give him. I wasn't even going to bring this up because it's such a dumb plot point that it comes again. But they give him twenty four hours to come up with two hundred thousand dollars to pay off the contract. Yeah, he doesn't get it in twenty four hours, and it never comes back. Like it, I don't know why it's they true. even bothered setting that up. And it's, he, it's similar to the, the the robots can go twelve hours on a battery charge. Yeah, just a line of dialogue. Just an interesting thing you might want to know. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, It's uh, 17 degrees out today. Here's a caveat in this contract we'll never come back to. Right. They find out about this cop getting attacked by a robot. John John Moore does. He's able to piece together somehow because it happened outside a gambling den and that one of the people who goes to that gambling den is Dean Moore. Yeah, there's no way he would have pieced that together. are probably after his brother, Nick Stoner, and... So he goes to the he goes out to the oil derrick to talk to basically the head of the oil company, who is in like a three piece beautiful suit, working with the, he's covered yeah, in oil. I know you get the, someone someone was like, we want to show that this guy he's very hands on. He's hands on, but he's also rich. So wouldn't he be working the refinery in his suit? Like no, no, he wouldn't. It's it's crazy. It's so funny. He's like hands are covered in oil. He's in a beautiful suit, just rubbing oil all over. Yeah. It. It's a weird thing. The guy doesn't. It's there's a some weird back and forth. He doesn't believe him. He doesn't want to do it. Moore is like, oh well, let me go look around. Moore walks away for two seconds. Mm-hmm. The brother walks up in the two seconds. Moore is gone. They have a conversation. The brother walks away. Moore walks back and has missed the brother entirely. The guy he should be talking to. At which point there's a hidden robot on the oil derrick wearing an ascot. Yeah, he was. I like again. So this robot got hired at some point. Again, what a long game. That means what's his face? Uh, Quaid put this guy, got got him hired, and this thing conceivably worked for how long on the oil rigs? Not long enough that he got his ass got dirty, but yeah. he's been working there for a while. It's a really so that he can blow this thing up. It's a really long con, and basically the robot lights a lighter. And yeah. the entire oil rig goes up on fire because it's so flammable. Yeah, that's what happens. So I, I love the rescue, though. Uh, to get Nick to safety, John tosses a sheet over him and then just throws him directly into the flames. Yeah. he just I guess he just happens to come out safely on the other side. And then he, like, swings around and stuff to show yeah, he, how athletic he is. He climbs the door, oil rig and grabs a rope and kind of, like, I guess sort of swings out like you might see a pirate do. But the stunt is so clumsy, he swings out and then starts swinging back before he lets go. So he's actually almost back in the flames when he lets go. It was like a really clumsily executed stunt, too. I. Uh, what is John's job? So his job is... Chief he's been security hired, for Delos. He, yeah, but he's been hired just to find robots. He's trying to find Quaid, basically. Right. But it seems I, like he's just looking for robots. Well, I think that's the only way they know where Quaid is. Right. Follow the robots. Okay. Now that he's almost been murdered... Oil executive Nick says he'll take the protection from Delos from this ro- from this robot assassination plot, but he has to get his NFL team ready for the Super Bowl, so yeah. they have to take care of him on the field where they are training to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I I actually missed that chunk of dialogue again. Tuned out because I was bored. It didn't. None of it made sense. I I didn't know. I was like, is this a college team? Is this a professional? Is it an NFL team? It, and I, and I love I love it. Just TV at that time where none of these people look like athletes. And we'll talk about there's cheerleaders later. And what I wrote was, it looks like they just went by the local laundromat and picked up whoever was there. And they're like, yeah, you're now a cheerleader. But <laughs> what, I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you know about the NFL? A little bit. Who would the team in Tulsa be? 
Yeah, I Tulsa, don't... Oklahoma is where this team lives. Yeah, I don't think there is a team in Tulsa. There's a Texas. Texas. Uh... That's not Oklahoma, though. Yeah, I thought it was very funny that that was. Uh... I'm like, I don't think that is an NFL team there. I guess they don't want to have to brand the team with a real, a real NFL team. Uh, the University of Tulsa has the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. So maybe he's so rich he got them into the NFL. He got them into the NFL. I think that I think that was a plotline in uh, the TV show Coach. <laughs> when oil baron showed up no he's he's and a, a college, robot tried to kill him i think he he coached college college football for the majority of the show and then as the show was getting along in the tooth he ended up coaching an nfl team i can't remember if it was the same team that had moved to the nfl but he ended up coaching the nfl in the later seasons good for coach yeah craig t nielsen he'll pop up on one of these eventually oh probably so we're about i don't know maybe halfway through the episode now and this is the first time Pam Williams shows up. And yeah, here's what I love. So they mentioned that she's his old trainee, and uh, and and what he what does he do? He's he's brought her, and he he can't do this job without her. He needs an assistant, and the first thing he does, dresses her like a cheerleader to go undercover. Well, that's not what happens. He's not his old assistant. That's what they said. When she shows old up, old trainee. When she shows up, the first thing she says to him is, "Do we kiss or shake, boss?" Oh, right. Yes, that's right. They also, but they do mention that was the old assistant. So he, he also had a relationship with her, an inappropriate relationship. You, but hey, it's 1980. You can see, that's okay. <laughs> you can see the network note and replace it. It's just like, we need a new person to come in and she needs to have a, she, they have a, they have a sexy past together. Yeah, and like, will they, will won't they, they, won't they? It's weird. But, but he does, the first thing he does is he has her dress like a cheerleader. Yeah. Well, he asked her to go undercover to start looking for who might be a robot. They're sitting watching the game and he's telling he's asking her what he wants to do and he he tells her, "Keep your eyes and ears exposed to everything that happens on the field." And she turns to him and says, "I'll have a lot more than that exposed." <laughs> I don't remember that. I was like, "What does that mean?" She's going to do it naked. She could be a che- naked cheerleader. That's so weird. It was just like so weird. <laughs> also, how did she just join the cheerleading? team no one asks i mean like when you see the cheerleading squad it, they're not getting the 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 cream well, that, that here, comes but... up at some point the cheerleading coach does say that the oil exec forced him to add her oh, at the last she? second he's actually the first red herring while yeah. they're trying to figure out who the robot on the field might be they watch him dancing with the cheerleaders yes. and the, i think the oil exec says he dances like he doesn't have a bone in his body and more goes you're right I'm must, like, must be what? Robot. what? He's a robot because he dances dumb? Yeah, he's a dance robot. <laughs> so weird. He is not a robot. Later, uh, Pam will throw him to the ground and he'll cut himself and he'll be exonerated. And he, and in that scene, he's also wearing he just his regular outfit, 1980. He's wearing a hat with a big feather in it. He's great. I really liked him. He actually. was a pretty good character, He was actually. a good character. I, there's a lot of ways you could have played a captain of a cheerleading squad, and he didn't fall into any stereotypes. He like did his own thing. Yeah. Really leans into the idea that they're constantly going to give you possible red herrings mm-hmm. because they do something slightly weird, so they must be a robot. Yeah. You put the fork in your right hand like a robot would. Basically, from this point forward, Pam's undercover. She, like, starts digging around the stadium. She goes on a date with the quarterback. Which is so weird. And also, <laughs> the qu- I, I know it's a different time, but the guy they, they cast to be the quarterback... He looks like he's like early 40s. He's There's, 34 years old. Yeah, they, they say. say he's 34. There's no way this guy's 34. <laughs> he looks and, so old. <laughs> just like at best he's early 40s. There's no way this guy is the star quarterback of the team. It was really fun. I know. He's so over the hill. And and uh, anyway, so she goes, she's playing the part of uh, 
somewhat uh, wanton cheerleader, I suppose. And uh, and she goes on a date with the the football the uh, quarterback quarterback, and he says to her at one point, "How do you like your eggs?" And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Cause I'm planning your breakfast." Yeah, he, and I was he, like, "Oh, gross." He has a real obvious pickup line that she does not pick up on at yeah. all. Uh, I, I I also wrote that down because I thought it was a pretty funny pickup line. And uh, uh, oh, there's also a, a side note. <laughs> this is this is appro- this is this is not really important, but do you notice? It? I've only ever seen this in television, and the the football. Uh, I can't remember what, quarterback. The quarterback does this uh, when he's on the date with Pam. The, f- the football man. No, he he takes his jacket and he flings it over his one shoulder, and he just holds it there. And I see people doing this on TV all the time. They hold a jacket over their one shoulder, and never in my life have I seen anyone do this in real life. Have you ever seen anyone just carry a jacket over one shoulder? Never. I do, I do it all the time. No, you don't. I do. No. I've I, never seen you do it. Here's what I'll say. Do I hold it over my shoulder? No, never. No one's done it. Only I, the people on TV will, do it. I will rest it on my shoulder. <laughs> no, you don't. I will. I will. We'll, go, right. we'll go out sometime. <laughs> okay. But that's the problem. We've never got out. We're only in the, we're only in this godforsaken sound booth. We're just sweating to death in here. <laughs> There's no way you put a shoulder your jacket over one I, shoulder. I I have done it and very recently. <laughs> okay, well we'll agree to disagree. We'll we'll come back to that. Sort of a weird cut here. Uh, maybe I'll, cu- I'll approach it this way. Quaid drops her off at her hotel room. She or no, sorry, not Quaid. The quarterback drops her Pam off at her hotel room. When she walks in, Quaid is in her room. And Quaid has built a Pam bot to take her place. Okay. And I, I know I've been nitpicking this whole episode, but I'm going to make one more nitpick. So he's he's basically like, look, Pam, we've made a version of you. And they mentioned that these two have a history, so he knows her. He would have had access to whatever, her DNA or whatever to make. But the robot is wearing the exact outfit that Pam is wearing. Did he at one point see what she was wearing and then like, Quick, guys, guys, go buy that outfit. Go to the mall. Get that exact outfit for the reveal. We have to have it wear the same thing for the reveal. Or is it just, it's just coincidence that she's wearing the exact outfit? Like, I know why, because it wouldn't look as good if you had the two of them standing beside each other and they're wearing two different outfits. But it makes zero sense that this robot would be dressed the same way. I mean, he does have all those robot eyes around the stadium. But that's what I mean. So let's say he saw the outfit. What, he, he sent one of the robots out to the mall? He sent his weird, short, bearded chauffeur out. Yeah, that guy's weird, huh? I, it doesn't come up at all and it's not that important but he's not in his underground lair in this whole episode Quaid has like a mobile office in the back of this limousine yeah. full of cameras where he in the last episode he watched it on, all on cameras from some strange lab somewhere and this whole episode he's just driving around in a limo full yeah. of cameras where he just watches the action via robot eyes yeah he's got like a little closed circuit thing going so weird we cut from this she's been captured there's a Pam bot whose whose mission is Kill John Moore. Moore, meanwhile, has tracked down the oil baron's brother again, kind of got the whole story out of him. For whatever reason, another robot attacks him. I don't know why they've set him to robot. Yeah. And the robot immediately can't find them. So the brother wants to help because he doesn't want his brother to die. So he beats up John Moore. Yeah, I, I don't know. So that he can go follow the robot back to wherever he's hiding. He just thinks he's helping. It's so weird. It's not important. It just, I guess, I don't know. They just needed to get that guy to that hotel for some reason. And this is the best way they could think of it. Right. It was this whole extraneous scene where he beats up the hero for no reason. Yeah, just to, just to separate them. Where we immediately cut and John Moore is now not beat up. He's back at the stadium. Mm-hmm. 
and he gets a call on the phone and he's like, hey, that guy who beat you up, he's at this hotel. He wants you to go meet him. And he's like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. And as he's about to walk out, Robo Pam walks in and I'm like, yeah. oh, so Robo Pam's now undercover. She's going to do something or she's going to like set up something. Uh, no, Robo Pam immediately attacks. walks in. She's like, he's like, hey, Pam. She just runs at him. She I know. Just, it's like it. Wh- why they went to the effort to make it look like Pam makes no no sense at all. They could have said, anyway, it, the robot just it doesn't get in his good graces. It doesn't get him to trust him. It just runs at him and tries to throw him off the side. And she's terrible at it, too. She just tries to throw them both off the side of the no, stadium. I, don't think, I think it's I don't think that was her plan. I think she was trying to push him over. But just the stunts are so bad that that's what it, it looks like as the it's, two of them just go. Over. And, it's and, got to be both. Because she just runs at it and they both flip over the railing yeah. immediately, except John, like, grabs the railing. And, but, and, and then they they show her as the most clear mannequin ever. I, I'm going to I'm gonna break this down because this is my favorite part of this show. How we've, we've mentioned how he has all these closed circuit sandwiches that yeah. robot eyes watch through. Pam Robot has attempted <laughs> to throw him off the side of this stadium. He's yeah. grabbed on, but she's continued to fall. We cut into the limo. He's watching his TV screens. Yeah. And what he sees is a shot of the football field that is spinning. The camera isn't spinning. They've just in post spun the image. Yeah, so, I know. So there's black bars from where it's not full screen, so it's <laughs> yeah, just spinning. That spinning image then cuts to a very similar still image that's been forced to spin in post of John Moore hanging outside the railing. Then it cuts to a third-person perspective. The idea was those first two shots were, I guess, the robot looking back yeah. and forth very quickly at the ground it's falling to yeah, and you got back up to John Moore. But then it cuts to a still... Frozen, it's uh, still a shot of her falling from the third perspective, but that is also spinning. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so now her point of view is outside of her own body and spinning. And then it cuts to a mannequin hitting cement. The mannequin's face falls off, revealing circuits. Yeah. This is all on his TV. Yeah, this, I know. And then I, 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 that well, also cuts <laughs> to a midsection shot of her chest. The shirt is open for some reason. And just tape, magnetic tape exploding, exploding yeah. out of her chest. We, we know. It doesn't work. The, the idea of him watching everything on closed circuit doesn't work. The, how I justified it and why I don't know why I needed to was that he also had cameras all over the, the building. Because otherwise it makes no sense. That's how I justified it. It's my favorite thing ever. When that magnetic chest explosion happened, the, yeah. just the tape blowing They're the same as Quester. They're also running on tapes. Every robot's running in tapes. After Robot Pam's exploded, he knows Pam's in trouble. So we cut to the hotel. Dean has followed the robot to the same hotel room that Pam's captive in. The robot's gone in there. He's stripping out of his clothes for no apparent reason. I know. I actually thought, I was like, is, is, he, gonna, is he gonna rape her? Like, this is terrible. It was very, like, he's threatening he's gonna kill her, but he starts ta- the robot starts taking off his clothes. And I realize the only reason they did it is because he has an open circuit yes. panel on his side. So they're just trying to show where his weakness is so Pam can shout it at someone. But it's weird. That's a weird thing. Like, I'm gonna, it, I'm gonna kill you. It was, then start taking your clothes off. It it's was like, oh, very oh. ominous. Dean, the oil brother, kicks in the door, is immediately beat up by the robot. He doesn't yeah. do anything. And as soon as he's beat up by the robot, John has run from the stadium. He's there. He defeats the robot by stabbing its one weak spot. Did, did you know what the, the robot's name was? No. Jason. I just I just was tickled that the robot's name was Jason. Jason the robot. I'm just Jason. I'm Jason yeah. the robot. Yeah. Anyway, so weird. So that's how they say Pam. 
and then for the first, maybe not the first time this episode, but they go to visit Oppenheimer, who, unlike last episode where they just blew the robot into the ocean, they've actually taken the broken Pam robot and they're trying to like get information out of it by playing the tapes and trying to figure out what yeah. was programmed in the robot. And that was pretty good. It wasn't like they suddenly it worked. Like they were having real trouble getting anything. Yeah, Oppenheimer out of it. is trying to get something out of it. Although, did you catch what happened at the end of the scene? Oppenheimer is yes. a fucking creep. He turns to Pam because he's like working on the robot and the robot's laying there. It shirts open, but it's just circuits on top. But Pam was dressed in short shorts and like a cheerleading outfit. And he turns to Pam, <laughs> opens up his Pam and says, nothing personal, Pam. And he starts, he slides his hand down the front of the robot shorts. Yeah, I know. There's nothing down there that's going to help him solve this mystery. And what she, she said something. What did she say? She, I think she's, I don't know, she grabbed John Moore's eyes and made him leave. Like, she didn't want him to see. But uh, let's mention again for, so they felt, the writers felt it was so important to have this new Pam character, Pamela character show up. And so far, they mentioned that she had a previous relationship with John. She uh, immediately goes on a date with the quarterback. She becomes a cheerleader. And then she gets kidnapped and tied tied up while uh, waiting for the men to save her. What what a great character they created, huh? I don't know. What a weird time. What a weird time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> 1980. Oof. So we go to, I think it's when Quaid's final, uh, his Hail Mary, which is to have this quarterback kill kill the guy, right? Yeah. We kind of, again, race to the end of the episode. John and Pam are watching. They still don't know who the robot is. They're watching the field. Another weird red herring is the they they've sort of started implying that maybe the backup quarterback, who the quarterback is jealous of, might because he be can the throw robot. a football really well. But God forbid a quarterback can throw a football well. No, he must see, be a robot. No, the backup quarterback in this scene he throws a football so hard he damn like he sends it through a tackle dummy like he yeah. breaks a tackle dummy. So he has like a superhuman throw. But he's not a robot. But he's not the robot. <laughs> no, I know. And when John sees that, he's able to decipher from that that the other robot. Yeah. What's great about it is. Or the, the other quarterback is the robot. Their red herrings don't really work because they show stuff that doesn't make sense. It'd be like, that guy has wires coming out of his deck. And they'd be like, he must be a robot. No, he's not a robot. But why, why does he have ro- uh, wires? Forget it. Move on. Don't worry why this guy is so powerful. Yeah. It's the same thing, like, why was that other guy super strong in the first yeah. episode? Yeah, it's just because. Just because. It, it is very strange. That, that's that's kind of how they're doing their red herrings. But, yeah, immediately John sees that and he infers that it's not the new quarterback. It's the old one. And, actually, it's kind of hilarious because Quaid lays out his plan now. I know. It is. It's a lunatic's plan. He, I guess, replaced the old quarterback because he figured no one would be suspicious of him if the old quarterback in front of a press conference that is happening, killed the owner of the team because he was jealous of the new quarterback. And and his plan is, this happens when he goes in there to kill the owner, his plan is to throw a football So to hard kill it kills him. Yeah, and he does, except John kicks him in the back just in time. Yeah, it's it's so, in, it's such an insane plot, but they're just like, oh yeah, that, that seems seems like it makes sense. Checks out. Yeah. Every I think he actually says everyone knows quarterbacks are like actors. They're all jealous and stuff. Is that what they said? Something he had some like logic behind it. Like it's like everyone will just think it's part of the drama of the sport. Right. But thankfully, the uh, quarterback's uh, weakness is electricity. Yeah. And he dies real Jaws two styles. They, he chases John up to the roof, or John chases him up to the roof of the stadium, and like there's a loose wire just touching a metal. Like it's so 
this the stadium is such under like it's so bad such yeah. not up to code and the robot grabs it electrocutes himself all the lights explode around the field like uh you know what's what's that baseball movie where they hit a home run and all the lights explode um all of them yeah all of them the prob- probably the natural yeah probably the natural but that basically that happens as the robots ex- as the robots being electrocuted right and then the end of the episode is Quaid driving away in his limo his plan he starts tearing up the contract he's mm-hmm. like well my plans are foiled i'm like but that contract's still good theoretically yeah, like, you could do it you could try it again you try it again or you know maybe just hold on to it maybe by accident that guy will die and then you'll still own 50% of the company yeah no but he's just like ah, i don't on, like this plan anymore on to a different plan no need for this plan yeah. and that's it he just drives off and that's the, and that's the episode it. yeah oh man i mean any final thoughts on these episodes now that we're kind of gone through them um, I don't know if we me- we mentioned that because um, I had made a note to myself early on that all all these people that essentially Quaid is a rogue agent. He's he's left Delos and conceivably all these people have left with him because he has all these people working for him that know how to with the robots work at all stuff. And I thought that's weird. All these people are just like, are they still getting paid or their benefits? Like, what do they tell their spouses they're working at? But it, it turns out everyone that works for him is a robot. Yeah, I asked. So he has a team of robots. I asked that question early on too because he seemed to have so many people with him. I'm like, oh, he's a real supervillain. Where's he? Where's he getting his employees? But they are all robots, so it does make perfect sense. Anyway, I think the show obviously it's going to be a who is a robot. I don't know how interesting that is, based on these first two episodes. Not very interesting, but uh, I guess there's three more episodes of the show. We'll see. All right, uh, you want to you want to rate these two worlds? Uh, Westworld destroyed. Yeah, I'd give the first episode a six out of ten. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a six too. I I don't think we've ever given anything the same hmm. same mark. That's great. I've gone back and forth on it. I did enjoy watching it though the first time through. I realized I enjoyed it less when I had to go back and think about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, that's I think what I've really noticed is uh, it was not very good. Yeah, I I the thing is it's an interesting concept. I just I think the show's just kind of boring. I mean, I am looking forward to some of your gifts for these two episodes. Mm, there's some there's gonna be some good ones in there. All right, uh, my brother's keeper. Oh, a five and a half. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give it a six. I felt almost exactly the same way about Did it. Did you? I I liked it a little bit less. No, I like it a little bit more. I would give it less, but I love the shot of her falling off the building and exploding. Right. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, so it will also get a six for me. All right, I mean that about wraps it up. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week we'll be back. We'll do three and four of Westworld, Beyond Westworld, uh, and we'll be halfway through. At that point, it's be over so fast beyond Westworld. Yeah, it's gonna be over real quick. If you wanna get a hold of us uh, to talk about any of the stuff we're looking at beyond Westworld, I don't know. Maybe you wanna talk about us Tech War still. We might we might talk about Tech War some more. We'll, yeah. see. we'll see. Yeah, we could, I suppose. <laughs> you can reach us uh, at continuumdrag at gmail.com or uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at uh, continuumdrag at both of those. And you should definitely check out the Instagram. Jordan is doing great work on there. Lots of great stuff from these shows. It's uh, I go back and watch the gifts from these episodes, and they're much better than the actual show. You know what? To be fair, that is much better than uh, than watching the actual show. You just need a ten second clip. Just gotta watch those those little clips, man. They're so funny, to me anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on to uh, on to episode three and four shortly. Sounds good. Uh, I'll see you next week, Jordan. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astro Lab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Emily Carter, 
and Dwayne Wright.